0: Welcome back to System Minus Trivia, the podcast where we will we will shamrock you.
1: This is Brent. <laughs> oh my God, why'd you do that? I'm Jathan, and I am silly,
2: and I'm Peyton with some high energy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Jathan, are you high energy tonight? Oh my energy God, I boy. am so high energy. Ready? ready? I'm gonna ready? cover my mic don't, for don't, a second. Don't, don't, don't Don't pee. Okay. Hate. Fine then. Pretend I was screaming. Woo. He's been screaming the entire
0: pre meeting, and it's. I feel bad enough for edit already. Why? I- yeah. Don't be rude she's gotta, to me. She's
2: gotta, she's gotta She's gotta fix your shit, dude. Dude, there's she's nothing gotta you gotta fix, fix about it. me. I'm not peeking. But not now. Well you're pre-show wasn't recorded. I hate it here. I'm
1: going
0: away. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going away. Shut I'm going
2: up. Going away. What?
0: Oh gosh. Anyway, so we've got some exciting news items oh, yeah. this week. But I don't know. How how's everyone doing? Are you guys doing okay? No.
2: Doing like Why? Well, What's the matter? I'm day feeling day? a lot better than I was last <laughs> week. I just need to say that much. There you go. What's the matter, J I'm
1: planning for this event at my job. The hackathon, you talked about it, yeah. Damn it, I wasn't going to say Why? You already talked about it. You talked about it last episode. I'm just kind of stressed out, like... Why are you stressed out I that? want it to be amazing, and it's still, like, you know, two months out, but I just want it to be amazing, and I've been busting my ass, working on getting things ready, and there's just a lot of other shit going on at work, and I'm just, I haven't been sleeping very well, I've been kind of running a little high stress, and I just so feel... So, painted. why like, was last week rough for you? I'm out of touch <laughs> with my emotions. <laughs> I haven't what been processing that? it. Anything. Okay, well, find yourself going on a fucking hike or something. Well, all you make me yeah, do is well, listen to Ravi Shankar, shankar <laughs> and it makes it worse.
0: <laughs> That's only you know. during the pre meeting, and that doesn't make it. You need to open yourself up to accepting.
2: Yes, non-shankar. you do. You need to open for open those not yourself.
0: familiar. I play Ravi Shankar during the pre meeting because Peyton hates it, but to a much more extent, Jason hate hates it. It. I I don't hate think, it. I feel
1: like it might have grown on you. At the beginning,
0: you hated it. It's awful. It's just
1: twangy bullshit. I love it. It probably oh, sounds great. better if it's not through your fucking speakers and shit coming oh, through great. your mic
2: to us. Well, it's fantastic. You know, it actually helps me relax a little bit before the show. Yeah, well, that's why that's you fucking like, yeah. fuck up and say stupid stuff because you're too relaxed.
1: I'm the only you one taking so it seriously actual. here.
0: No, you're not. You're obviously not taking the Robbie Shine car seriously.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because I take the show seriously. I care about you fans. I love you. Don't, don't
0: listen to him. He doesn't know you. I'm that in it for I the fans. You. He doesn't love you like I do, baby. Shut um, up, Peyton.
1: What are you drinking?
2: I'm in it for the fans as well. Too. Oh yeah, okay. What are you drinking? Oh yeah. So I've I've got I still got this bottle of it here, uh, trying to finish it off. I've got about uh, oh a little under half to go. Oh, you'll finish that tonight, maybe if you don't stop talking.
0: <laughs> you said ironically after he paused. All right, what are you drinking, Jathan?
1: Jathan. I'm watching out for Peyton. <laughs> I don't want him to kill himself with alcohol. Just.
2: <laughs>
1: what are you drinking johnny walker black okay <laughs> and, um,
2: you're gonna make me die you know what i'm not attack. in it for the fans guess. anymore i'm in J. it for <laughs> Hayden.
0: so help me if i if i develop some sort of coronary <laughs> disease it's all your fault because i quit smoking i'm watching my eating and dude I... you're watching your eating so I am the I am such at peace, Norman. Shut up,
2: what are you drinking?
0: I have such inner peace.
1: Such
2: and then inner you'll peace say you such, shut the fuck you'll up. You'll say let it something go. just so stupid,
0: and it sends me into a blind fury of rage.
1: Suit yourself. Pretend he's <laughs> muted for a second. Papa, I just want you to know I'm looking out for you.
2: <laughs> if you were my son, I'd have smothered you already.
1: <laughs> Damn.
2: That's cold.
0: Engraving. That is cold. Colder than Han Solo. All right. <laughs> so I am drinking oh, oh, uh, bullet bourbon. Too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> I'm drinking bullet bourbon and Arizona green tea because my, my shipment just came in and I get it in bulk because nice. I telecommute. So I've got like a giant, I've got two cases of this, of the, the green tea cans. I love it.
1: Well, that's not awesome. good for you.
0: It's all right. I mean, the the, the stuff in it really isn't all that bad. All right. Look, premium brute. Well, we'll do this. We're doing this on air. All now, right? do something are you listeners else ready for air. this? Are you? No, no, no. no. We're do doing this. this. This is what this. not doing it for the fans looks like. Shut up and listen. Premium yeah, brewed up. green tea using filtered water, and then yeah, high fructose corn syrup. So there's that. But everything else: honey, citric acid, natural flavors, ginseng extract. extract excuse me. Ascorbic acid, vitamin C, and that's it. Ascorbic. That's it. Is it ascorbic or ascorbic? Ascorbic, ascorbic
2: I want to say.
0: Okay, but it, that's it. The only bad thing in there is HFCS.
2: Asshole acid? I mean, I don't know. No,
0: the, know. the high fructose corn syrup is, is the bad one. That's bad for you.
2: That's really bad
0: for you. Yeah, but that's the only one in there.
2: It's not, not really that bad for you is in there?
1: moderation.
2: Sure. Is that what you said? It's just what?
1: sugar, for fuck's sake. It,
2: not really. It's... it's high fructose corn syrup. It's syrup. It's not sugar. It's syrup. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Welcome Lissers, back to Farming System I'm Distribution. Scream. I'm gonna
1: fucking scream. Listeners, I hope
0: you're ready for a ride, because we, you are in for one tonight. Yes, sir. We're all in a goofy mood, apparently.
1: Part of it, I think,
0: is because like this is our chance to, to kind of...
1: Um, unwind. Yeah,
0: unwind with each other. Definitely. And with y'all. So, sorry we're we we're subjecting you to it. But, also, sorry we're not care. sorry. Because you're the I one care. that subscribed, so deal with it. Okay, so we, uh, as I said, we have a couple news items. Not many. Um, it's. I almost said it. I almost said it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it because every time I do, I jinx it. <laughs> but I will say that I have high hopes for the length of this episode, and I'll leave it at that. All right, Peyton, do you want to give us news?
2: He's got yeah, yeah. high hopes. This is Peyton with the news. Shut up, Peyton. Uh, all right, the uh, most important news, I think we've probably broken in a long time, Shaw 1 has been officially broken. Holy shit. Yeah. This is a big deal, guys. This is a big, big, huge deal. Can we talk about this more in, in
0: discussion? Are you guys okay yeah. with that?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Are you down with that? So yeah, just it kicking it like, on it looks like webkit webkit tried to implement a check for it and that broke their repo even better and then Linus Li, linux torvalds linus torvalds oh, has addressed typo. the use of it in git yeah typos suck yeah. so there's that's big news keep an eye out for that fix your shit vulnerability has been discovered in cloudflare, serv- cloudflare services holy shit i can't talk there was a memory leak caused by a parser bug this is also uh, not a huge deal, but still a big deal. Next bit of news we have is that, uh, oh, well, part of this Cloudflare vulnerability, DigitalOcean, has been affected. And then we have a lovely thing about an OpenBSD web server. And the article is that you better patch it. Uh, OpenBSD and two of its SSL libraries need patches against a pair of denial of service bugs that can crash web-facing servers. Once again, keep your shit patched.
0: Mm. and the surprising part about that is it's open bsd and open BSC yeah, right. has a fantastic track record with these kind of things yeah but normally you know good. as as shown you know it, it's nothing is invulnerable so right all right so first we're also we're gonna spend like i don't know five ten minutes tops on lineage os because it's on the list and i, I wanted to talk about it because we in oh what was it s s0e5 Jathon when we talked about roms yeah, I don't know exactly the number, but I'll put in the I put you know what I put it in the show notes on the last episode. So look at the at the notes for S two E one, and you'll find a link there to the to which episode we talked about Android ROMs. So lineage OS. Like we said last episode, it's basically a revamping of CyanogenMod, but it's totally from scratch, and it's probably the route you want to go if you were previously using CyanogenMod, considering CyanogenMod is dead. And Peyton mentioned last episode that he installed it on his tablet, so we're going to have Payton talk a little bit about that experience, because this is... Is this your first Flash?
2: This is not my first Flash ever. I've Flashed devices before uh-huh. uh, i had a samsung galaxy s2 that i put uh, like aosp or whatever aokp whatever mm-hmm. the not the default google but the other project i put that on there and that was it was pretty nice to do that but this is uh this lg tablet i have i got it from work and i the lg the default lg for me was just i, I hated it. it was slow it was full of Software that I didn't want to use, and I tried to flash CyanogenMod, and it was really terrible. It ate up the battery really, really bad, and was slow. Like it didn't even last twenty four hours on a charge. So then I went back to like a default unlocked LG ROM for a little while, and it was that was all right. But then we talked about Lineage OS, and I was like, "Well, I'll give it a shot." And it installed very quickly, very easily. It was probably the easiest uh, flash I've done out of you know three or four phones that I flashed and various things. It's Android 7.1.1, mm-hmm. and I flashed the G apps along with it, and it, I mean, it's faster. It's a lot faster. It's got really, really amazing battery life. I am surprised. It's like a whole different tablet than what I originally used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you said that you did an upgrade, right? Yeah,
0: if you were if you're previously running CyanogenMod, now it's only for a limited time, and I, I forget how long these transition packages are going to be available. Yeah. But they have like a, a sort of transitional package where you can go right from CyanogenMod to Lineage. But obviously, if you're not running CyanogenMod before, you're gonna have to do a, a full flash from scratch. So
2: yeah. So I full fully flashed. From you know, from zero, I formatted and flashed from zero, and it was an easy install. It went by really, really fast, and it's it's a significant, decent improvement over anything else I had tried. And for the record, I want to just clarify that there was the old Nook tablets that Barnes and Noble was selling, not the you know decent ones now, but the, it was an older one. Mm-hmm. I successfully flashed that to Android. Nope and kidding. Use that as a tablet. So I'm not a newbie when it comes to flashing devices Got it. So I just wanted to put that little bit of caveat in there.
0: Okay. Is that it? You you still still using it and everything?
2: That's I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll use it. Yeah, I'll use it for forever. As <laughs> long as the tablet lasts. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. As it's, long as they keep releasing nice.
2: new versions. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool, very cool. And yeah, so
0: before we get into the the meat of this episode, this this SHA one thing is it's intense.
2: Well,
0: let me put it this way. So since two thousand seven, I think it was, there was a theoretical flaw, a theoretical weakness discovered in SHA one and published in a white paper and so on and so forth so then everybody was like all right we need to start getting stuff off SHA one yeah it's faster than sha 256 whatever but it's time you know yeah however it wasn't until 2010 that major players in the in the in our industry started actually taking that seriously so microsoft and and Certificate authorities and stuff actually started developing a moon like a uh, end of life plan for phasing out SHA-1. However, there are still people using SHA-1 now. If you need some sort of unique identifier, yeah, I would say sha ones probably still acceptable, which is why I'm not too worried about it being used for uh, Git commit IDs. Just as Linus Torvalds explains and in a uh, post to to the Git mailing list, we'll link to it. Yeah, so I'm not too worried about that. And it's still handy for, you know, I I guess a quick and dirty way of generating unique identifications based on files. But with that, it's I would definitely not use it to verify integrity of
1: files. Which realistically, you already should not have been doing.
0: Right. For at least seven years, if not 10. And that's that's kind of the (laughs) big point I want to make there is because, like, at the very least for seven years, you should not have been using SHA-1 for verifying integrity. Now, a sort of sidestep of this is somewhere in the middle. My concern is it's used for GPG key fingerprints. The full GPG key fingerprint mm. is an actual, you know, it's a SHA-1. I'm not terribly worried about it because currently, I mean, it took us this long to get to an intentional known collision. Yeah, And even then it was with PDFs and PDFs. SHA-1s and PDFs are really PDFs. not very prone to... To cryptographic functions in other words they picked pdf for a reason to yeah. develop this on
2: just to bring up something that i i find amusing about this mm-hmm. is that you know every time there's a there's a compromise there's a page that says test your test your vulnerability here enter your credentials here or, in, or put a file here and i know that deep down like you can somewhat trust that a little bit but Most it's still them, yeah. just like it still just makes me want to be like ah yeah, no, that's that's not a good. Thing. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> like be be really careful with online password generators, online password yeah. strength audits, anything where you don't control the source of it, the initial source of it. Always be wary of those, of course. And that even extends, that's actually another side point we were going to talk about. That extends to software as well. Everything you install that you didn't code yourself is some sort of inherent trust slash risk involved some have higher risks like i mean some wordpress plugin you found on the internet or whatever <laughs> wordpress yeah oh we we didn't mention that there's i oh, well, we'll link to it in the show notes but there's another of course huge wordpress vulnerability even though we just reported on one there's another one you don't say <laughs> no surprise right which i kind of like i'm kind of at the point now where i don't even want to bother reporting on them because it's like it's going to be in there every every episode
2: yeah wait 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 wait, wait. water is wet <laughs> Yeah,
0: this just in. Water is wet. So there's that. The paint is still dry. <laughs> and you know, there's there's different levels you can apply to trust. Like I would trust the Arch core the base repositories much more than I would trust the AUR. And I would trust the AUR more than I would trust some schmuck writing a WordPress plugin, you know? So do keep that in mind. But yeah, that again sort of plays into trusting the source. And really, yeah. integrity's kind of got to be a holistic thing. We can re- only rely on cryptographic functions for so long. Right. And I don't think we'll ever successfully see a GPG fingerprint spoof because there's going to be easier ways to attack gpg you know and especially if you do verification the way you should in which case you exchange the fingerprint in person and you sign the key in person the other person validates Uh, you know if you do all that in person like you're supposed to with photo identification and all that yeah it's a greatly greatly reduced risk but the fact that now we actually do have something demonstrated and proven that Shawan is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good reason to move forward if you're one of those people still using Shawan for that purpose. We I use SHA-256 for the GUIDs for the episodes in the the feed. It's a straight, I mean, that's one way you can verify the integrity of the download. It's a SHA-256 of the actual audio file. And that's something new with the new site in the new feed. I was able to to generate that. But I can imagine a a day where SHA-256 is broken. It's already, there are some length reduction attacks. That doesn't mean SHA-256 is broken or even theoretically broken. It just means it's not as strong as we thought it was. You know, it, it, this sort of thing is always typically a gray area. There's no known vulnerability to totally busted, you know. But yeah, and I'll have to figure out what to do if it comes to a point where it gets that serious. But SHA-256 should still be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm just shocked that we finally got to this point, but more than that I'm shocked that it took us 17 years to get there.
2: Well, but I mean time marches inexorably along, you know. I mean stuff like this is <laughs> going to start happening.
0: Sorry. Not 17, 10 years.
2: Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean like like stuff like this is going to start happening whether we are ready for it or not, you know. And the warning signs have been out there for what 7 years? Mm-hmm. And widespread. Yeah. People, are st- people are still using it. I mean, ten
0: years. It was announced ten years ago, but it, it wasn't. It didn't gain widespread popularity knowledge until.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. So I, you know. Wait, are you guys done talking about this real quick?
0: Yeah, I, I'd say we're
1: done. I'm. I'm just. I thought it would take less time. Is what I'm saying. But yeah. Oh.
2: Oh, for the, the collision?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually just wanted to mention something we completely fucking left out of the news. What's that? Amazon shit its pants yesterday. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Amazon oh, dropped yeah. an
1: entire region.
2: They completely... And there was no there was no GitLab style, this is what we fucked up with either.
1: It's... Yeah, well, I mean, would you expect it though? Amazon's a lot more... Mm. They're not as open. Well, as well, we is. didn't know what to expect True. from GitLab either, because they'd never True. had anything quite like that happen, and they're a relatively young company. True. True. But yeah, I'm not surprised at all that Amazon didn't release jack shit in terms of details. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, like so many people were surprised at how much was affected by it, like point of sales transactions and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like this is what people are doing, I guess, is like This is this is why we warn you against using the cloud. And the, the highlight of my day yeah. yesterday, it didn't impact me at all personally, mm. but the highlight of my day was when Amazon tweeted that they had repaired their ability to update their health report dashboard, which had previously been broken because it relied on S3.
0: Yeah. So let's. Let's take a moment here and laugh at how I, that really should have been our baddie, but we, have we've got another pretty good one too. Just how terrible, you know what? Let's, let's assign this baddie to them next episode because they deserve one for this. They absolutely deserve one for this. Yep, Along with everybody with who relies on Amazon
1: exclusively, but
2: moving is to... almost everybody. <laughs> Sadly.
1: Well, and you know, every company has a bad day. We've yeah, seen Google sure. outages. We've seen Apple outages, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I don't remember seeing a Google outage for like three years at the least, though. It's been a while. Yeah, it's, they,
2: it's, they're they're coming
1: far between. They're often very regional compared to, like, yesterday was so many fucking people affected. But yeah. That
2: was, yeah, the that difference was there is, it's like... the
1: United States. It's like, the difference there is, Amazon's outage was an
0: entire region of their servers. Yes. Which yeah. affected everyone
1: yeah. using that region. So, all that to say, like... It's understandable, like, things do happen regardless of whether or not you want them to. Mm-hmm. But the big deal is, like, even their health reporting tool relied on the service that it was actually responsible for monitoring. Th- that's the point I went to get. That is that really is fucked up and stupid.
0: You're monitoring your health status reports, all that. That'd be like, if it's customer-facing, or even if you need access to it, it should be out of band. It should be out of channel, totally. Why yeah. would you run? That's like, that's a... <laughs>
1: no i mean it's like running a single instance of nagios on every single machine you have just to monitor that machine yeah yeah
0: or or on a more abstract level it's it's like running uh your primary secondary and tertiary authoritative name servers on the same box you know like it it just totally defeats the purpose
1: because dns isn't already the problem all the time anyway (laughs) don't you start don't start that
0: yeah i don't know i
1: so fuck you
0: amazon You'll hear about this again next episode because I really want to give them a baddie for this. So that's what I think we're gonna do. I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah, are you okay with that, Jason? I guess, but now the surprise
1: is ruined. Well, it, it wouldn't be a surprise next time. Infinite sadness and tears. Oh my
2: gosh! <laughs> I
1: can't even. You
2: can't right. handle me. Let's. let's you can't handle the truth.
0: You that is not the truth there is so much there that is not the truth i don't even know where to begin let's move on though
2: yeah let's move on
0: so discussion (laughs) and props to jathan because he came up with some some, he's been doing great with discussion topics lately so i i I just want to plug him on air and say thanks dude you're doing a good job
1: my tail's (laughs) wagging
0: all right don't (sighs) make it weird so the first question he has is, could AI take over the role of a sysadmin? And we've seen a lot of a lot of news and a, a lot of even general paranoia about AI and it taking over the jobs of of every of humans.
2: If a shell script. Has.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's start by talking about Sysbot. I mean, sure, he's basically as much of a person as we are at this point. No, he's not. <clears throat> he's kind of a dumb. God knows he's thing. the one publishing all this shit.
0: What Sysbot?
1: Everything. What?
0: No, he doesn't publish anything. All he does you is announce that... RSC, RSS feed.
1: Uh-huh, sure.
0: I'm the one that maintains Sysbot. I would know what he does, j <laughs>
1: Okay.
0: He does the o- literally the only thing he does in the channel without being prompted to do is RSS announcements. And those you have to manually add and reminders and stuff like that, scheduled events and stuff like that. And those you have to manually add. So it's there's no...
2: And the rage. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, he those, flips a lot you of tables. Have to manually
0: Those you manually have to prompt. You that motherfucker is angry. Well, well, that's because we wrote the aliases <laughs> to do that. But there's he does nothing by himself, right? Well, no, that's a lie. He joins the channel after start you know he joins the irc network that's it and that's because i configured him to do that so he's pretty far from an ai there's no sort of measure of intelligence there i don't know
2: so pretty much Jathan's closet too
0: <laughs> sure what he's calling you dumb
2: <laughs> there's no intelligence yeah
0: he's calling you dumb Jathan, and that kind of, that kind of illustrated his point <gasps> oh my pretty God. funny Okay, whatever. Let's perfect. talk about the actual Thanks, fucking Jayton. thing. Right. <laughs> does, anyone, does anyone want to go first on this talking point? Cause... I, I want to go
1: first. Okay, go.
2: Go, go, Jayton,
1: go. Yeah, okay. So, so the reason I sort of thought of this question, and we'll link to this in the show notes, but there was an article basically that says Americans believe robots will take everyone else's job, but theirs will be safe. And, you know, I was just sort of thinking, like, You know, why do people get off thinking this? And I think one of it is just people have inflated egos and think that they're irreplaceable, which is generally not really true. But the other thing is like, you know, there are definitely types of jobs that are better suited for being taken over by robots than other ones, I would argue. And even saying that out loud, I feel kind of ridiculous. But, you know, like somebody driving a forklift, I personally fully believe that, you know, a warehouse being treated as like a grid could be done by a robot and not a person. And I think we could all probably understand why. But then I was thinking, like, you know, what do I do in the course of a day that a robot could do instead? Well, you know, there's some things that I think a robot could do. Like, I think a robot could change a hard drive.
0: Sure. And there are some that that can, yeah.
1: But then I was thinking of other things, and specifically, like yesterday, I had this one client that was acting sort of funny. I had just moved it to a new physical location, which means I had to change its IP address and stuff like that. And, you know, it just seemed like certain requests were not quite making it to this machine. Mm. And so I actually asked Brent, like, hey, you know, what's the command I can use to check if, you know, these packets are being split between another host? Like, maybe I'm I'm sitting on an IP that something else was already using, even though I was fairly certain I wasn't. And mm-hmm. And so you came back and told me to use ARPing, which was good. And, you know, it proved my point, which it wasn't the issue. But I was just thinking, like, you know, reasonably, how do you teach a robot to troubleshoot things that aren't necessarily extremely black and white? Mm -hmm. Like, if I see the behavior of a specific machine... I can usually come up with a pretty solid list of options why it might be behaving that way, but... And, you know, there's always, like, this is step one, this is step two, depending on the outcomes, do step 3A or 3B or whatever, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, in a systems administration role, I don't necessarily think the steps are always that clearly defined, so I'm not sure it'd be very easy to write a sort of manifest like that for a robot, if you will. Mm-hmm. And So I'm mostly just curious, like, you know, do you guys think that foreseeably a robot could be a sysadmin? Do you think that a robot could ever learn how to program or script? I think at some basic level, the answer is definitely yes, but I don't know where that starts and ends. And of course, you know, none of us are probably able to speak with a whole lot of authority here. Mm. None of us are fucking experts you know in that what? kind of field, but.
0: I will tell you, we have more authority to speak on it than Stephen fucking Hawking.
1: Oh my god. Okay, well, I don't care because you hate Stephen Hawking. No,
0: no, no. I don't hate him. I think scientists these days have a a terrible habit of speaking in areas in which they have no direct experience with right I don't agree so with that. we
1: have don't we have a president who does that we have a lot of people that do that
0: but my my <coughs> point here is a lot of this sort of conjecture about the threat of ai if you will a lot of it comes from people who are not qualified to even get near the topic we mm-hmm. I would not qualify myself as someone who's who's qualified to discuss this at length, but I will say I am definitively more qualified than a physicist to talk about it. And here's why: we deal with the actual tech behind these. We've we've written code. I, well, yeah. Jason and I have. I don't I don't know if you've written any anything yet, Payton. Have you been scripting? Or yes, no? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So so the yeah. three of us. Yeah. Yeah. We've. In fact, we intentionally. Try to automate as much as possible because it makes our jobs easier. We'd be terrible sysadmins if we didn't.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, every good systems administrator should be automating anything they're doing more than once or twice.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's what we strive to do. And if we can make that easier, we're all for it. We're never going to be obsolete. And a lot of humans aren't. Yeah. Like your idea with the the factory grid, right? And, And I guess a GPS... Uh, like a, a real fine GPS kind of forklift, self-driving forklift. Sure, the problem. With well, there it could is just as
1: easily be if there were literally no physical obstructions. It could even be like based on lasers. Like sure, right, right, right. Know, it it laying doesn't out the matter group. so
0: much how you control the coordinate system. Sure, it matters sure, Matters sure. more the yeah. made the sort of meta idea of it. And here's what I'm getting at: humans. And machines will always think differently, period. We will never, at least certainly not in our lifetimes and not in the lifetimes of our children, come up with a machine that can think like a human because we're wetware. We operate in a totally different realm than machines do. We don't need someone to tell us what to do to do it, you know? And AI, the whole point of AI is to make decisions, right? But the way they do that is like what kind of what Jathan was talking about, where there's a systematic flowchart, if A, then B, L, C, right? Right. At the end of the day, that's what it is. That's all it is. AI, all that attempts to do is sort of fuzzify that a little. It tries to be smart about what the best option of that is. So, you know, if A, then B, or C, it tries to decide if B or C would be more optimal in this context. However, it doesn't learn from that. We don't have a true learning machine. We call it learning when we train AI, but all that's doing is sort of a weak pattern recognition. Humans have... We operate, and this is much to our fault, by the way, we operate on a true pattern recognition rather than a weak pattern recognition. That's how we think. We make correlations. We say, okay, I know that ARP, for instance, if it's being split between these two hosts, will behave like this. So therefore, we got to find out if they're sending back the proper ARP requests using JTON's earlier example, right? A machine would look that, look yeah. at that and say, okay, what's the problem? And obviously, this is probably, I doubt an AI would ever get to the point. I doubt it would know that there is a problem occurring. But if, you know, I'm i am not going to put limits on that and say we can't come up with that. So assuming... Well, that's,
1: that's only sort of true. I mean, in theory, if you had a script running on a monitoring system that constantly was looking for packets going to this system and all of a sudden it dropped 50% of them, that would basically indicate a problem. Sure. But which you know that's not exactly the behavior i have seeing. But well, it's here's, just an example. Here's, here's another thing:
0: in order to train the AI, the AI to do that, you need to program that into it. That's going to be an actual routine you need to have it look for. Well, and that's it's just not it. going to know to look for that. Yeah, yeah. Humans right. don't even know to look for that until there's a problem. We're very reactionary like that. So machines fare much better, even in AI with hard restraints, however nuanced they may be, and they don't really. They are not good at coming up with new protocols. They are good at following protocols. And uh, yeah, yeah, granted, humans well, aren't aren't good at it either. But we can actually do it. Is, is what I'm getting at.
2: Well, uh, h- here are my thoughts on mm-hmm. that. Uh, you can you can write a script, right, to look at your your ARP packets, or you know, to check for updates on your on your server, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, anything really. But to make, and I'm I'm agreeing with your point here about. We're not going to invent this in our, in our lifetime anytime, mm. you know, to make something that can actually like see, hey, the error, the problem is that, you know, your hard drive's full. Well, okay, what files can you delete? It's going to say, hard drive's full, I'm going to delete the biggest file. Well, don't delete the biggest file. Oh, we need to write it in there to not delete the, mm-hmm. So what's it going to do then? Well, it's going to check in this directory and this directory. And I think that at some point it's going to be become more convoluted and... It's not going to work the way that people want it to work. Sure. And, and I mean, like you're saying, the human element, I know for a fact that if I've got a full hard drive, I'm not looking in opt or, you know, Etsy or, or user. I'm looking in temp. I'm looking in var, you know. Mm. Uh, I'm going to look in my home directories, you know. But uh, to teach a programmer, to teach a machine, hey, if you've got a full hard drive, don't look in these directories. It's going to be like, why not? It's, it should be the next logical place I look. If it's full, I should remove the biggest file. Well, you know, there but, were... But not you know,
0: really, because... There were kind of making the assumption that AI would be... Would have the ability to be disobedient. And that's a whole nother philosophical discussion. Like, do we... But how much it's truly... How much agency do we give these AIs? You know, that's a whole nother discussion.
2: But that's the... That's the thing. If we're going to create a machine that thinks and acts like us, it's not going to be obedient to us. We have to set parameters, sure, but it's not going to follow those parameters. There's no three laws in our universe. We don't have the three laws. You're referring to the
0: Asimov laws of robotics, right? Right.
2: Okay. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, well... And, I mean... I mean we have those, but those are Asimov's conjecture. We don't actually physically have those. We don't have robots that follow those yeah, rules. Yeah,
0: they're okay. not they're not inherent to robotics. They're those are laws that Asimov said these right. should create theoretically safe AI, except for these one or two instances. As developed by like a uh, iRobot. The novel, not the movie. Right. If you read the novel, yeah. like Yeah, yeah. if you read the novel, you realize, like, okay, it's not, what what looked like it was harm was actually not, you know, and that's the whole idea behind it. Right. But, yeah, there's, the first gen we definitely can do that with. We definitely can say, under these parameters that fall under these three main laws, don't break them. Uh, And a machine will obey, to quote-unquote obey.
2: The only well, we should we should make it obey. Yes. Well,
0: yeah. It wouldn't be able to not obey. Is my point in first gen AI true? In first gen true AI, it would not be able to disobey. You start getting into hairy areas where you start getting AI generated code, and we have that now. It's pretty basic, but if we would trust AI to create other AI, the problem there is we it doesn't have the same value system. So, yeah, going back to training an AI, you know, whatever, in your file system example, right? Yeah, it might want to inherently delete the biggest file unless we tell it not to. It may not, it probably won't actually ask why not. It'll just not do it. But if you don't, that right there is one whitelist rule, right? Never delete this file. Yeah, sure. So then what happens, okay, so it it didn't delete my, um, I don't know, say I'm a graphic artist. It didn't delete my, I don't know, the project I'm working on for a big client. Because that oh, yeah. just happened to be the biggest biggest file no. in the directories of search, whatever. So that's safe. So you know what? It then keeps looking for the next biggest file, according to its programming. And it says, okay, nice. found this other big file. I'm going to delete that. Turns out that was a tarball of all of your invoices. So now you're fucked. And it doesn't it doesn't have that sense of value, right? And machines don't have a good way of knowing value inherent to humans. They're not going to know that pictures of your dead mother that are obviously not, creati- not recreatable by any means it's not right. going to know the value of those and in order to do that we right. need to teach them we would need to teach uh machines emotions at the very basic level and we can't do that we can teach it to mimic emotions we can do that pretty well there's still the uncanny valley so like you know whatever But we're working on that but sure. we're not even anywhere near that we can't have it inherently have actual consciousness and this is a, a really deep philosophical discussion. I'm sorry, listeners. Like, I, I didn't plan on yeah. like going this yeah, yeah. deep, but it's, it's kind of something you have to break down block by block until you get to the most basic level. And that is humans are not sentient. And while they can get to a point, <laughs> while they can mimic sentience, or they can mimic a conscience, they won't have... What we have.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, realistically, I think the person who creates AI is not going to be a, an average citizen your average person. I mean, it might be the Scorpion guy, who knows. I mean, he's got the highest IQ in the world, mm. you know. Oh wait, I'm sorry. But no. Realistically, I mean, I don't think AI is going to be invented by, you know, a normal guy. I don't think it's going to be by one one person, mm. even, you yep. know. I, I think it's going to take I think it's going to take a large group of people and the problem is, like you said, We're not just going to have to teach it intellect. We have to teach it emotion. It has to understand why we cry, why we feel hurt when we get, when we get hurt emotionally or physically. Mm -hmm. It's got to understand that. Going back to iRobot, that the movie version, I just want to talk about that for Mm -hmm. a second. They really, it was interesting because he could feel, I, I didn't read the book, so I can't speak to the book, but I'm, fairly confident that he had emotions in the book
0: it's been a while since i read it but from what i recall it's not really a lot of a lot of it's spent on how their brains are more organic than machine uh they call them positronic
2: okay okay makes sense like data
0: yeah yeah yeah. they don't really experience emotions per se but they do have a higher they have a capability for ethics we'll say rather than morality okay
2: yeah. Okay. Ethics is ethics is a good. Ethics is a great thing to talk about when it comes to AI. How do we know that a robot is being ethical? Well, how do they make a decision? I think
1: that's the thing is we have to program that sort of decision making into it. It's like does a self-driving right, ethics, does a self-driving car save a person on the street or the person in the car, right? Like mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's something that's are
0: running into now. And there's a lot of yeah. legislation being yeah, done on true. it. But, I mean, that's that's just a self-driving car. That's not an AI. That's still the hard list of... Per- that's what we call AI. That's not actual AI, right? That's not true right. AI. It is not right. an it, actual intelligence. Well, it's... it's-, it's- still yeah. granted it's very complex and it's incre- it's incredibly hard to understand and definitely not doable by one person right but it's still not actual intelligence and there's no capacity for what it can't look at a new situation with an ethical standpoint i'm not saying it would be a, it would automatically look at it with an unethical standpoint because that would well, imp- that would imply I- that would be evil but what i'm saying is it has no innate concept of ethical behavior
1: Right, right, right. And that's something that it would have to be, you know, uh, this is an air quotes taught, like you'd have to program it to I don't, follow the code of ethics of a person. Right? I don't think like, that's
0: possible, though,
1: because why we, not?
0: It's, it's not possible. with us, with humans, our sense of ethics is always contextual, always there That's is not a true. single person, right. not a right. single human alive that will f- have a code of ethics and follow it to the letter every single instance where it comes up. Right. Okay.
2: And what's morally eth- more, what's morally okay for you, j may not be morally okay for me. Oh, I know and, it's not. And the same for... I'm well, better than you. Know, but, oh, my gosh. No, but here's what I'm saying. It's like, if
1: I'm <sighs> writing an AI, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Y- you know... Wouldn't you want to make it context-aware in such a way that you would make it make the same decision you would, given the situation? And you can't anticipate every single situation ever, right? And that's my point. Humans, but, but we don't at the need same to anticipate time, it
0: because we have an innate sense right. of value. So we don't need to be able to anticipate every situation, and we can't anticipate every single situation. Right, so how right. would you program that?
1: I uh, I don't know, but the other, thing is, the other thing is is this, got, this got pretty very theoretical. Oh, shit, and we're stuff. At
0: 45 minutes, yeah.
1: Yeah, this got really theoretical, but really the question more so was, you know, sort of related to the idea of maintaining, you know, like a server environment or something, which I would argue there's many, many less ethical decisions to be made as a systems administrator than living in the wild, if you will.
2: Not necessarily. I mean, all the time you have to deal with with people's. People's work—that's someone's life that they put in. It depends that what you do, though. It, it, no, it does not depend. Yes, it does. People. Let's let's okay, compare. I mean, like if you're if you're making freaking dog food, then all right, I can understand what you're saying. I don't know. But if your job, if your job is is like your your job is important enough that you're changing like medical community or you know, do you expect making AI? Yeah, you know. Me, well, let me I, I mean, let me kind
0: of touch upon what Peyton is saying here, Jason. Do you expect? it possible to have ai psychologists ai politicians ai policymakers okay no i don't and that's I don't where think we're that, getting that with here
1: i don't think ai could engage in politics sure or even or psychology. why or, or I would why? even why?
0: why i would even say we don't want ai doctors there it would be very useful in the medical field don't get me wrong i'm not but there's a lot of
1: times it. when doctors follow somewhat of an intuition when making a diagnosis. I think.
0: How do you program intuition?
1: You can't. That's I'm agreeing
0: with you. Okay. I okay. Mean, Got it. I, I, like, and that's my whole point. Is like, I would. De- uh, well, all right. To wrap this around to a general question we had to bring this topic up because we spent a while on this, and I don't know how long people want to listen to us rant about this. But <laughs> We probably could.
1: Well, the AI stopped listening a while ago. <laughs> oh God. <gosh. laughs> the ai went
2: delete delete if the delete. ai <laughs> could uh, could create a transcript
0: of this that'd be super helpful but the like going back you mentioned the the factory floor right with the forklift driver the self-driving forklifts mm-hmm. that would necessitate that no other human beings are on the factory floor at the same time
1: correct that was an assumption yeah and i sort of stated it as well okay and it's because
0: machines and i'm not saying this is right or wrong we can discuss about what The actual value of sentience is and whether we should value other quote-unquote life forms as having more or less value than other humans i mean i i eat cow so i'm like yeah i I would definitely classify them as lower on the value of life value but lower on the scale of life value but that's again another discussion that we could probably go into great length through that has nothing to do with our podcast but bringing back to the original point i don't think ais can take over some jobs other jobs especially dangerous ones Factory working is a great example.
2: I would love to see AI fire. I was just thinking that. Exactly. Yeah.
0: you're. I would not trust AI to do firefighting and re, uh, search and rescue, that kind of thing. I would not trust them to...
2: No? You don't think so? For search and rescue? I think
0: they'd be great for the search part, but maybe not the rescue part.
2: I think that they'd be okay for search and rescue. It's, you know, I mean, I mean the, the determination is... What do they have to do to rescue the lost person? Is it just bringing them out of the woods? Is it tending to wounds? Right,
1: yeah. In, in my mind, when I
0: said search and rescue, I was thinking, like, I don't know. Digging
1: through the rubble after nine eleven.
0: Sure. Or, like, those... What's it called when that... The snow falls after a sound. Avalanche. An avalanche. Or like avalanche rescues, retrievals, you know? Stuff like that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I really feel like AI would be perfect for something like that. I you know? Well,
0: and that's the thing. There's a lot of snap judgments you have to make, and it's hard to say this, and nobody likes hearing this, but there are times when rescue workers have to decide, is this rescue worth it? Is this person well, savable? And-
2: but that's because they have to worry about food and rest. Can they see what's down there? Mm. You can equip a a rescue robot with AI with thermal vision and you can have it have a better hearing, uh, better acoustics. It can, you know, it can be designed to pick up the breathing patterns of someone who's probably buried under, you know, how many feet of snow. So you don't
0: think AI should have a self-preservation instinct or not instinct, but self-preservation routine or whatever you want to call it motive. I think
2: digging in an avalanche is different than rescuing someone out of a fire you, How, you know what i'm saying land, well they don't have to worry about frostbite first sure. of all like you don't you don't have to worry about frostbite so but they'd be I feel running
0: like... at a warmer temperature than the water around them and then the water would get in probably refreeze once the ambient temperature was reached surrounding the air so there's there's still uh, environmental I mean, risks let's not let's not pretend there isn't
2: sure sure Sure, I I can. I can agree with that. What I guess what I'm saying is, if if it's if it's built properly Mm -hmm. and it's handled properly, I feel like you can send in an AI-enabled robot to put out a fire, dig someone out of an avalanche, especially something that you know maybe people can't get Mm to. They can move faster, more efficiently. I think. I I think that's. I don't know if you've seen robots
0: trying to (laughs) trying to walk. Sure, I have. They're hilarious.
2: They're hilarious. I mean, I think, I think what I'm saying is, uh, you know, with time and talent being added in there, I really feel like, you know, some of the more dangerous jobs are out there, especially factory floors. Factory floors is, I think we all
0: agree on that, where it'd probably be the most.
2: I mean, I worked in a warehouse my 18th, my 18th uh, summer. I I worked at the, uh, my ex-step grandmother was, worked for Mary Kay and they had a program where you could go and you could work, you know, in the industry somewhere. And so I you know, they. I chose the warehouse, and I worked in there. And they had special robots that followed a tracked pattern that moved stuff around. That you know, they couldn't trust the the forklifts mm-hmm. to do or whatever. And then they
0: had actually. And by the way, if if, had, if there are any factory workers listening, I don't know why they would be because we're, we're a totally different <laughs> field. But if there happen to be, maybe they have a hobbyist <laughs> interest or whatever. It would be awesome. Sure. If you happen to be, I'm not suggesting that robots take over your jobs. I don't want that. And. I don't think we were anywhere near that either because it's, it's way too cost prohibitive at this point anyways, but you know, that being said, we should probably move on because we still have one more topic, but.
2: Well, I don't want AI or robots to dig over our jobs. I don't think an AI can do a sysadmin job because there's so much that you have to think Mm -hmm. about and translate into, is this the right step to take for this? I don't think you could program in like steps or loops or, you know, Decision-making rather than... uh, Decision-making, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well,
0: no, that's a wrong word. You can program in decision-making, but there needs to be existing criteria, and oftentimes we don't have existing criteria. A lot of it is guessing, and machines don't know how to
2: guess. Sure, sure, true. true. I wonder how they would do in a dev test environment.
1: What do you mean? I think he was transitioning. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there you go. Speaking of dev test... Damn, that was just so subtle. Wow. (laughs) All right. Listen, Jason, you need to
0: cool it. Cool your jets, buddy. So, the other topic, and uh, we won't spend as much time on this, especially since we're at 54 minutes. It'll probably be uh, around 40 minutes currently in the edited version right now. The when can you make compromises in production in other words we've got some best practices right we've got always run all of your production servers on the same software versions the same software same configuration you know as much as possible the whole idea of having a, a cattle rather than Seems a so. pet or a series of pets sure. i am one of the biggest proponents of this i will routinely heart people make your testing match production make your dev clap match production as closely as possible the difference is it's not always possible and we what specifically sparked this was in one of the irc channels all three of us are in someone was setting up a development environment and i told him to you know match the dns setup as closely as possible match the the sort of topography the running software so like distros and stuff like that but i told him yeah it's okay to use maria db instead of MySQL. And here's why I did that. MariaDB is intended to be a drop-in for MySQL. It is one of the very few pieces of software where it is intentionally written to have compatibility, absolute drop-in compatibility with another piece of software, specifically written for that with optimal enhancements. And I think that's why I made that exception because it's going to run a lot better on whatever he's u- consumer-grade hardware rather than production-grade hardware, you know, enterprise level hardware. It's going to run a lot better on consumer hardware. I'm not he doesn't need to run maria db in production i would recommend it because it's overall it i'd say it's a much it, it's a big improvement but mm-hmm. that's why i said that because there is a reason to use it and the reason to use it is going to outweigh the possible risks of inca- incompatibilities you're going to run into they even have a list of incompatibilities between MariaDB versus MySQL for the given version. It is version matched. You like version X of MariaDB is intended to match version Y of MySQL. So, that's why I said that. What are what are y'all's thoughts on that though? Go
1: ahead, Jethan. Well, yeah, you know, the one thing is I personally don't run a strict testing or development environment at my job. A lot of the things that I have to do that are like, you know, novel or sketchy are related to the clusters that I help maintain. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I can rebuild a cluster node in 20 minutes if I have to. So as long as the whole cluster isn't being utilized, which, you know, lately it's just been a little sparse, just hasn't really happened, I just take one of the nodes, I take it out of the scheduler, and I do what I need to do, test it there. If all is well, great. I can put it back in and roll it out to the rest of the cluster and nothing happened. If I fuck it up and something goes horribly wrong, then I rebuild the node because I have, you know, Pixie and Kickstart. Mm -hmm. It's 20 minutes of my life gone. It's not like I have to, you know, sit and babysit it. I just kick it off and let it go, and then it puts itself back anyway. So, you know, In my case, I personally don't maintain a fucking testing environment because I have other options. And there are people who are like, well, you're an idiot for doing that. And you know that's great. Fuck you.
0: Idiots and quotes. No, no. No, No, I've I've gotten on your case about this many times.
1: I know, but I said that there are people who tell me I'm an idiot and you said I'm one of those idiots.
0: Oh, no, I I thought you said there are idiots who tell me not to do that. No, I don't
1: care if you've been on me about it because I'm the only one who has to fucking justify the time spent fixing it if I break it. Well, but, here's well,
0: here's why I say that, right? So you're at the point now where you have to run two different nodes, uh, two different clusters, right? Me? Yes, you have two different. We clusters. have four clusters, right? Four clusters, four separate clusters, and they
1: one is being phased out and integrated into another of them, right? But they deviate. Then...
0: My point is they deviate in architecture, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. How do you? How did that happen?
1: Well, one is six years old, one is three years old, and one is one year old. Okay. What would happen instead if
0: you staged them? If you staged entire clusters and then obsoleted
1: the old clusters?
0: How many clusters? How many different deviations of clusters do you think you would have currently? What do you mean? You would have one. Is is the answer I'm getting at, Japhethon?
1: No, but that doesn't make sense because then I would be crossing very different environments and pieces of hardware and everything else.
0: No, you wouldn't. So yeah, yeah, I would. So, the three no, no, clusters, no, no, no. So listen four to this. clusters. Right, so you got. I'm saying if you had the chance to totally do everything over, yeah. you would have one cluster, right? And then when that hardware got old enough to decommission, you would get the new cluster, set it up, run testing across it, and then decommission the entirely old cluster. There would be no reason to have that old cluster around. Uh, yeah.
1: It depends. On what? How much can I say here? <laughs> if I could take all of my nodes and combine them into one cluster now, even with different hardware, I would because... The type of work we do isn't very dependent on the hardware anyway. Sure. But
0: why, but why can't you do
1: that? A lot of it's very political because of who paid for what and when and why. So I can't just say this user can use whatever piece of hardware they want. Sometimes they're a little limited in that capacity. Okay. So in this case, one of the, the cluster I just mentioned that's like six years old, we honestly mostly keep that for people who just can't get access to the you know fancy new ones.
0: And that's for purely political reasons?
1: Well, for example, if there's a particular group that buys a cluster with a grant, mm-hmm. you know, they get priority on it and ultimately they get to decide who else gets to use it. It's their cluster essentially. Sure. So
2: Okay.
0: And that's why and you have four different cluster deviants? Not
1: entirely, no. There's other reasons as well. Yeah, it's kind of a long story. I would I would say that's
0: probably the only valid reason though.
1: No, no, the majority of it at this point, honestly, is that. So we have one cluster that's entirely just GPU nodes, mm-hmm. and that's because one person bought all those nodes. So we don't want to integrate it with the other cluster and then one day it just, you know, leaves or something. Sure. I, that, and and again, for
0: GPU intensive. Not
1: just computing. everybody has access to it. So, yes, we could have them still assimilated into one you know under one scheduler but it's still going to be you know configured in such a way that people only have access to certain bits and it's just easier Uh, if we can keep it uh, uh, separated uh, so that
0: let me rephrase how many clusters deviant clusters do you have how many different cluster configurations (laughs) do you have that perform the same purpose three out of four okay i guess
1: and i understand what you're saying but but i'm talking about sort of a different thing altogether really
0: i understand there's political bullshit and and there's not even that i mean
1: even even for me you know talking about sort of the whole dev testing prod Mm. thing i still think i would do it the same way because the hardware is so vastly different and everything else it doesn't quite add up the way you're talking why is the hardware different because it's just bought at different points in time
0: by your firm or by clients both oh my gosh jason
1: that's that's what i'm saying though i mean like i have 30 nodes that have amd processors and 60 that have intel processors right Mm -hmm. so i'm not going to just use the amd processor based motherboards and hardware to test something that's intended to run on the intel one
0: right and i'm not saying you should but what i am saying well i mean sometimes it's unavoidable sure what i'm getting at though is you should be phasing out your old hardware in favor of new hardware Mm -hmm. right and when you do that you should be obsoleting the entirely old cluster okay for in favor that of the old cluster
1: so you're saying the old cluster could become a test environment then
0: i would say no i would say just sell it off to
1: bidding but okay then what does that have to do with me taking a node out of the cluster to test something before i put it on the whole cluster because
0: now you have to do that 4 times if you've got someone if you've got to change if you've got someone on all four clusters who has access to all of them, and they want the same feature set on all four of them. You don't have to do that four times instead of once. Yeah,
1: but but that still doesn't... I can't go into more details about this, but that's just never going to be the case for what it's worth.
0: Well, it's too late now, either way. But I'm saying, if you had the option to restructure it, that's probably what you want to do.
2: I think my thing is, and I think that you're agreeing with me here, Brent, is that when you buy hardware, unless you buy a million pieces of that same hardware, if you go to replace that, you're not going to have the exact same hardware. Like it's just it's gonna be different manufacturing, it's gonna be it's gonna be different a different time of the year. I mean, it is one of those things that just you cannot literally buy the same hardware constantly, consistently,
1: regularly. Yeah, but what does that have to do at with a certain level? But that's testing and production. Because Well, if you're running the argument- with the same you know, if I buy two of the same server 8 months apart. Yes, they were physically manufactured possibly in different places at different times, whatever. And,
0: well, and how long do how deep do we want to take those? And this is my but my no, no, big that, no, argument. No, that's,
1: that's too deep. The architecture though. I can though, go deeper.
0: I can go deeper. I'm not saying we should, but I don't no no no, just just hear me out. They're, the processors are probably cut from different sheets of silicon, too. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: but 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 yeah. they're the same architecture. Mm-hmm. They're very likely as long as you control it such that they are, they're running the same operating system. They're networked in a similar fashion etc etc
0: right and that's and that's my whole that's what got me into the argument on that irc channel in the first place was like how deep do you want to take it because there's always going to be some variance and it's unavoidable you should always when possible strive your fucking hardest to make it match but it's not always going to be possible and there was a lot of disagreement about that saying like no you you have to do it this way no matter what i'm like look I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I'm saying it's not always possible to do that. And if you if you think your ecosystem, if you think your infrastructure is perfectly matched, you don't know your infrastructure that well, yeah. you know, because there's always some variant. And it means you're not looking for those variances and you're not trying to account for them. And that that's what has me worried because you're not... You, that's how you easily get surprised and in the worst way. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, really. it's a false idea. And now, cr- yeah, there's going to be cases where it is much easier to have developers on containers of servers rather than standing up an entirely new production environment that matches production to be used as staging or testing. Yeah, that's very cost prohibitive, and not a lot of companies have the ability to do that. And most cases, I would say it's not justified. But if you're doing like machine code, if you're doing stuff in assembly, yeah, it better be the fucking same nine times out of ten though you don't need that if in the person i was advising on this initially all he was doing is working on some some websites stuff that any i mean shit the query language in general this, the structured query language is, like, what, 80 to 90% compatible across different engines? So across, like, SQLite, across MySQL, across PostgreSQL. You know, like, it is, yeah. it's a pretty standardized language. Now, there's benefits you can take across those different engines. But if you've got an engine, a software, designed to act exactly like another one, and where it deviates, it specifically lists those deviations. And I'll tell you right now, it has nothing to do with writing queries. It's stuff like really low level engine tuning which i can guarantee you he wasn't doing because he doesn't need it yeah so the whole argument was just silly to me because like yeah of all the people i know i'm probably the one that harps on this the most about making your testing match prod as closely as possible but that's the key phrase as closely as possible as closely as it makes sense it's not Not always gonna gonna happen. happen and you need to come to terms with that and it's okay if it doesn't you need to have measures in place to account for that and you need to design your dev slash staging slash production slash testing whatever you need to design it to sort of ideally flag for possible discrepancies but it's silly yeah. to try and assume that developer developers are going to have access to the exact same instance as prod unless you want to give shell account to all your developers to production but that's even crazier to me if you do that yeah hurt you. that's 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 batshit insane to me, but that's going to be the only way you're going to get consistency across prod production and development period. And that's no. what I have to say on it. Any other closing remarks, Jathan Payton? anything else? You,
2: you, either of you have to say on it, Jathan? No, <laughs> no. What's the matter? Jathan. You're supposed to be high, high energy. energy, buddy. Come on. High, high energy. Come on. Let's go. High energy. Let's come on. That's your woo. 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 That's not I high energy. You got to give it a little bit more than that. Jathan.
0: That's a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jathan. You want, you want to take the baddie?
1: baddie, baddie, yep. baddie. Okay. So hopefully everybody knows what the RSA conference is. If you don't, you should look it up. But it's not a huge go. security event, typically takes place somewhere in California, but I guess it's probably been in other places as well. I don't really know. Anyway, at this past RSA conference, which I believe was somewhere in the middle of February, like maybe the fifth 15th sounds familiar? I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, very large security event. But as with any large event, of course, there are people who are going to try to have their fun or perhaps actually have some malicious intent. And so it was found on the floor of the convention center where this was held (laughs) that there were many, many, many rogue Wi-Fi networks. And after some analysis was done, it was found that several people actually just continued to use these fucking... (laughs) <laughs> wi-fi networks for like you know the whole conference at a security conference at a security conference so here's the thing for security First of professionals all, a security conference is not necessarily a secure event mm-hmm. but if you are getting your day job to pay for you to go to a security conference you should probably be aware of what security actually is and what it means mm-hmm. therefore you mm-hmm. should not be using wi-fi networks mm-hmm. that are not trusted And goddamn, if you go to a fucking hacker con or whatever, make sure you know how to actually connect to the real fucking network. Well, here's So, for all of you who are at the RSA conference and connected to the wrong fucking Wi-Fi, (laughs) you get a baddie. I hope all your shit's compromised. Do better next time.
2: What? (laughs) Jeez. So (laughs) fucking crazy.
1: I mean, Salty. When I went to Hope in July. No, that's different. Hope is a hacker con. And- I know, but here's the thing. is like, I actually think. You, you almost expect to get hacked. I, I honestly almost felt like I was being overly cautious at Hope. Maybe, yeah. But I'd rather be and he, overly and cautious than be these fucking people. Yeah. And yet your Linode is no, compromised. No, it's it isn't. not. He's, he was Got joking it.
0: around in the pre-meeting about his, his Lino being compromised. It's not.
1: You can't compromise me. I, well, don't ch- fucking
0: challenge people. Don't challenge people? Because that's how you, get, that's how you become a high-profile target. Anyways, yeah. So I think it's important to point out that RSA is not a hacker con it's a quote-unquote security conference which means it's for like people like in ties and suits and shit you know like it's like nine to five people who do blue team for their corporate environment you know it's not for like the people developing zero days and shit yeah there might be some crossover where you get some of those people going but by and large those people aren't going to rsa they're going to defcon they're going to black hat they're going to, and to a lesser extent black hat i should say uh they're going to things like hope you know things that are actually hacker centric they're not going to rsa generally speaking and if they are they probably are only going because they're comped so compensated not compromised if it wasn't clear but yeah so like these are people who are supposedly professionals theoretically they should be more cautious than the hobbyist hackers that go up to these hacker cons but they weren't they were not by any means and that's what it drives me insane that's hubris right there that's like saying i get paid to do this and I get paid very well by very big com- big name companies. I'm on a W-2 to do this. You know, like, that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Yeah, right. I don't
2: know. I I just, you know, if you're going to go to one of these and you're going to be stupid and be like, oh, yeah, hey oh oh wi-fi oh, okay all right and you don't check it or you, you know you just don't verify it i mean that's that's not what well, makes dude. me so angry it's you like know? i
0: could understand if this happened at like comic-con or something Def no Con. no no comic-con where where people are not oh yeah okay yeah, yeah.
2: where well, they're not
0: so. supposed to be quote-unquote experts in the field of it security you know they're just a bunch of a right. bunch of people going sometimes it's dressed up as furries whatever you know but like this was a security conference these
2: are people who are supposed to
0: know better
2: now now hold on a minute here now you and I both know that there's what three different types of people who go to to conferences like this there's the people Mm -hmm. who know shit There's people who want to know shit, and there's people who think they know shit, and they don't really know shit. (laughs) Well, it's that
1: last category that obviously is getting fucked up here. I think that last category got the highest
0: percentage at the RSA conference. Oh, it's
2: always always the highest percentage. I don't don't
0: know about always. I mean, ego is pretty hard to find in most hacker cons, but it's more like the quote-unquote corporatized security conferences like those are where i'd say you see the last percentage the last section is the highest percentage so
2: i would say that just because someone says that they're security or a security expert doesn't mean that they know what they're mm-hmm. talking about
1: oh well, sure anybody as i mean far i could say i'm a i am carp expert but i don't know much about carp carp yeah like the fish <laughs>
0: That's what I thought you meant.
1: Well, I needed something fucking really? obscure that I didn't already know everything about, and there's not many things on that <laughs> list. But carp is really? one of them. Whoa, let's really? watch the we, ego we, there we bring specifically. Up... We
0: just we... talked about this.
2: Jathan, I'm curious how you fit in the closet with an eagle that big. Well, I have to leave the door cracked. <laughs> <laughs> uh...
0: I think that's a good closing point. What do you guys think? Yep. Time uh, to I shut the so. door on this bitch.
1: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: This Sounds has like been Carbon Ministry. I'm Brent. I'm John Seems like it's all around. I'm high energy,
2: yeah! Like what you mean? Yeah, that's it, that's it.